Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ and new listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth. The last three days have been exceptional, and I don't know why exactly. I have a feeling it's the guests that we have on the podcast, but um, someone, maybe some other outlets are also sharing our podcast. We've had uh, great uh, listenership live, um, and also we've had people share the podcast, and uh, so we don't know what's going on. Good, lots of activity on our website as well, standupforthetruth.com. So thank you. We have a brand new guest today, and we're going to talk about life issues in just a minute. But we are also in the third segment today. We're going to talk, we haven't really talked about the chosen a lot. Uh, Christians have various views on the chosen, how biblical it is, the artistic license that they take. But recent news has come out where uh, the uh, Director, the creator of the chosen, Dallas Jenkins, said uh, Mormons are Christians. Uh, now I'm paraphrasing there. We'll get to the whole quote, but is that true? Um, very great interview over at Good Fight Ministries. Uh, we'll get that out in segment three, and also an update on canceling Christianity, which uh, is astounding, but it continues to do well thanks to the body of Christ. But let's open in prayer. I read this morning from Colossians chapter one. And I just want to read that prayer to open up today for all of us. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you for giving us another day. Thank you for your sovereignty and your faithfulness. We give thanks to you, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for this reason also, since the day we heard about it, we have not ceased praying for other believers and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, to bear fruit in every good work, and increase in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all perseverance and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in Light. Thank you, God. Thank you for rescuing us from the domain of darkness and transferring us to the kingdom of your beloved Son, Jesus, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, today we have a special guest, Brad Mattis, the president of Life Issues Institute, the pro-life grassroots partner of the Susan B. Anthony List Education Fund. It's headquartered in Cincinnati, Ohio, and the organization was founded in 1991 to serve the educational needs of the pro-life movement. Its primary objective is to develop and disseminate effective pro-life educational material. Brad also hosts Life Issues. It's a daily radio commentary. He is president of the International Right to Life Federation and a frequent international speaker and lecturer on abortion and related life issues. He's got a master's degree in biblical studies and biblical counseling and also works with other countries to establish a pro-life educational and counseling presence. He is also chairman of the of the uh, board of directors of the Terry Shivo Life and Hope Network, working to protect vulnerable individuals and educate others on end-of-life issues. Brad Mattis, thank you so much for coming on Stand Up For The Truth. Well, good morning. Thanks for having me on, David. Well, Brad, I'd like to get back to uh, something in that bio that we read on the uh, Terry Shivo Life and Hope Network. And just go look back a little bit in uh, Life Issues Institute and you're getting involved in this battle. So please share a little bit of the background and how you became involved with some of these issues. Sure. Um, I've been involved in pro-life work for 46, 47 years. I started as a senior in high school. Wow. And um, when God puts something on your heart, mm. <laughs> you're just along for the ride. 
And uh, he opened a lot of doors and pushed me through them. And uh, as a result, my life now is dedicated to protecting innocent human life from womb to tomb. Mm. That's our our issue with euthanasia. Um, Dr. Jack Wilkie, who was a father of the pro-life movement, um, and I worked side by side for 24 years uh, when we established Life Issues Institute, which is dedicated to educational aspects of the life issues, primarily abortion. And we, um, we uh, disseminate a lot of information. Uh, I do a daily radio commentary called Life Issues. We're on a little over 1,270 stations, wow. reaching 18 million people a week. And uh, that is a, a minute commentary that we can get pack a lot of information in, and people, people can also subscribe to that program via our website. Um, when at one point I was executive producer and host of a TV program called Facing Life Head On, we ran for eight seasons and picked up three Emmy Awards for Can You Get It? Pro-Life Programming, which was <laughs> something a first for the movement, certainly. Hmm. And while we were doing that program, um, shortly after Terry died, Terry Scheibel, uh I went, took the crew down to Florida and uh, interviewed the family. And then we did another follow-up program a couple of years later. I wanted to keep their efforts with their foundation, um, make make sure that people were aware of them and, and didn't forget Terry. I don't know about you, but um, some of our, our uh, more mature uh, listeners, I should say, uh, are probably remember where they were when, when Terry died and, and the horrific um, 13 days that, that she suffered as yes. a result of being dehydrated and starved to death. Yes. And um, so uh, I was asked to join the, um, the board uh, because I became close friends with Terry's family. And now I serve on, on the board of directors. And I'll tell you, we are contacted by thousands of people at that organization who are finding themselves in desperate situations where the medical community wants to off their loved one by uh, starving or dehydrating them to death or not providing life-saving treatment. Mm. So this is an issue that is out there, and people are being victimized every day, and that's what we need to get across. And recently I wrote an article about their latest um, futuristic tool in which they hope to uh, even kill more patients, particularly they're targeting those with dementia. Oh, now let's. I, I'd like to talk about that because, as I mentioned before, we got on the air this morning, Brad. We do talk a lot about pro-life issues and the movement and the wickedness, really the demonic agenda of Planned Parenthood, going all the way back to Margaret Sanger a uh, hundred years ago in America. A lot of people don't know that history, but we don't talk enough about euthanasia and these other issues that you, that you have recently written about and you've been speaking about. Now, I believe there are five states in America where um, uh, physician-assisted suicide euthanasia is legal. Is that correct? Yes, it's hard to keep up with the tally because there are those that introduce the laws. Um, thankfully, we've been able to fight back most of them, but Five sounds correct. Um, I just, with things changing so much, I don't dwell on the numbers so much as to the battles that we face. But, yeah, there are, are states, particularly uh, with Oregon and Washington, mm-hmm. um, Montana, uh, California, mm-hmm. and then we have Vermont in the north northeast. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a serious situation that we need to wake up and smell the roses and realize that we are facing serious battles for end-of-life care. So, uh, Brad Mattis, let's talk about this new um, article to most of us, this new subject. It's called Advanced Directive Implant. Now, this is concerning because it's, it's uh, what you say in the article, a high-tech euthanasia tool. Tell us what you know about that and how this works. Sure. Um, well, first of all, advocates of euthanasia promoted uh, advanced directives, which was a document they said was benign as far as having it uh, be on the slippery slope to euthanasia. 
It would help patients direct health care decisions at the end of their lives. The problem with that is that since no document can cover every possible scenario, they ended up exposing and subjecting patients to unintended withdrawal or the outright denial of life-saving treatment, which they didn't want. Now, thankfully, there are pro-life alternatives to these advanced directives that you can find on our website at lifeissues.org. We provide that to you free. But their, their latest step on the slippery slope is to have what you, you referenced, an advanced directive implant. And it, technology isn't there yet, mm-hmm. but those pushing it feel that it's on the horizon. And what this is is a computer chip that would be implanted under the skin primer, to begin with in a patient with early dementia. Now, the... Uh, be equipped with lethal medication. So upon the detection of a at a predetermined advancement of the disease that they set before they put the implant in, when triggered, then the implant would release this poison into the patient and cause immediate death. Now, that is something that should send a chill up the spine of anybody. Yes. Regardless whether they're a Christian or not. And, um, of course, they give lip service to this could be misused, which is an understatement. And what troubles me the most, most David, is that they Oregon's uh, physician-assisted suicide program, if a patient is so-called terminal, they can request a prescription for lethal medication and take their own life. Mm. But um, this is an awful law wow. because... Of course, they said, oh, we're going to have all these safeguards, and those have quickly fallen by the wayside. The law passed in 1997, and now uh, a few years ago, they changed terminal, which now includes patients with diabetes and arthritis. Oh, my goodness. And last year, yeah, last year, patients were actually killed through this program that had diabetes and arthritis. So it's not it's not some vague possibility. This is actually happening. Yeah. Uh, there's no state oversight for this program, and they rely on self-reporting from so-called doctors who are paid to kill patients. Wow! It is really, really an insidious program. And other states, the five that that you referenced, um, structured their laws closely to that of Oregon. We are speaking with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Uh, Brad, where else can people find out about this? Because as you know, the media uh, is part of the, the culture of death. They're not going to report on the other worldview, a worldview that would believe the Bible and that would protect life from conception to the tomb. They are not going to address any of these stories. So do you know where people can find out more about uh, this push to for euthanasia and what's happening with particularly with this uh, implant. Yes, well, I've written about it in detail uh, in my weekly blog called The Latest. Okay, and if you go to lifeissues.org, you can subscribe to that. Uh, it only comes once a week, so we we don't inundate your your email box with information. But also, I would highly recommend that uh, you connect with the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. Okay. And um, that website will give you all kinds of resources. Also, if you find yourself or someone you know in an emergency situation, you can contact them. And the person that fields your calls is Mary, the mother of Terry Schiavo. Oh, my goodness. And I'll tell you, she puts, yes, and she puts her everything into Mm. each call as if it were her own child, Mm. son or daughter. Um, She sees all of these victimized people as um, children like her her beloved Terry, who was uh, so brutally killed. Mm. So there is hope, and those are the places I would have people seek out and get that. Plus, it would be good to to, uh, peruse the uh, pro-life alternatives to an advanced directive that you can find at lifeissues.org. We, as I said, we customize those for your state because they've been filtered through legal um, 
um, attorneys, and we can help equip you to protect you from what might be coming down the pipe. And there's also a Facebook page, Life Issues Institute. You can go to Facebook and search at Life Issues and like that page and keep up. That's where I first heard um, you just posted this this morning. And then I saw it on your website as well, uh, this issue about the um, uh, euthanasia. Well, let's move on to um, a lawsuit in Montana, Brad. Um, it, it, and you say uh, Planned Parenthood filed this lawsuit. Of course, whenever pro-life laws are passed or legislated, you know, the, um, the left and Planned Parenthood and those would be promoters of abortion, uh, you know, they raise a ruckus and try to use it for, you know, fundraising for abortion. So what's going on with this lawsuit in Montana and uh, why are they so upset all of a sudden? Well, um, Montana, which is my home state, I'm proud to and always will be a Montanan, has a wonderful governor and uh, pro-life, uh, pro-life uh, state legislature. And they passed some four pro-life laws that were really good and very mainstream, um, very common sense mm-hmm. laws. Uh, one would put uh, protections for m- women and their babies who use the chemical abortion pills. Those things are horrific, and we don't have time to get into that today, of course. But uh, that is a wonderful legislation protecting that. Another requires that a woman is simply offered to see her baby on ultrasound before she has an abortion. Mm. And um, another is to protect babies after 20 weeks from abortion because they can feel the excruciating pain from that. Yes. And um, these are the types of laws that, you know, a vast majority of Americans support, but yet Planned Parenthood, who is that is so extreme, they want abortion on demand for any reason, no apologies throughout pregnancy. Yeah. They are very extreme. And what's fascinating is one of those laws, it just seems so benign or common sense. It's, it's offering an ultrasound to a young pregnant girl or woman just so they can see it. That's just, we're, they're trying to pass these in different states just to offer ultrasound. But what's ironic, Brad, is the uh, pro-choice crowd seems to be no choice on uh, other things like ultrasound and other common sense uh, measures that uh, you mentioned. That's just, I just find that to be fascinating and, of course, hypocritical. Well, yes, it's pro-choice if it's my choice. Yes. And their choice is always abortion. Mm-hmm. But one thing we need to be aware, David, is that this is a huge money-making tool for Planned Parenthood. Um, a substantial amount of their income comes from abortion because that is what they do. They hide behind a false facade of saying, oh, they provide all these other forms of care for women. Uh, we heard for years that they were uh, providing mammogram um, appointments for women. And then when we looked into it, we realized they don't own a single mammogram equ- piece of equipment in any of their facilities. Amazing. So they were outright lies to try to put on a face of providing legitimate health care when really all they offer is abortion. Mm. We've got uh, two minutes before we need to take a break uh, with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Uh, Brad, there's a link on your website to understand the latest statistics on abortion. And my question is very simple. Do the stats even matter at this point when since 1973 we've had a really our own holocaust uh, with abortion in America, and we've been back and forth in the political battles trying to pass pro-life legislation, and then it seems like it, some things get passed, some things get knocked down, and does it seem like it's a deeper issue, more like a worldview a war, really, with, with death and life? This is, this is very, there's no gray area here, is there, when it comes to abortion? Oh, absolutely not. Abortion intentionally kills an innocent human life. Oftentimes, it will physically maim, frequently um, inflict emotional trauma, and sometimes even take the life of women who choose it. Hmm. They're being lied to. They're not being told about 
the problems that come with abortion. And yes, and exactly. And of course, there are many, many studies, and there's much information available if you'd like to research it, friends, on the anguish of abortion and the post-traumatic stress and all the issues that women, a lot of women, deal with that the media, Hollywood, the Democrat Party, and other pro-aborts will never talk about. We've got a whole lot more coming up with Brad Mattis, Life Issues Institute, and uh, more on this topic of worldview when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. The website is LifeIssues.org. Brad, you counsel a lot of men who have been traumatized by abortion and more often than not, I'm sure, um, have had no say in whether there uh, may be in some cases a wife, but probably girlfriend uh, decides to get an abortion. So share with us the resources you can provide, because we don't hear much about this topic either, the men who have been affected by abortion. Yes, David. Um, back when, in the early 90s, the Casey decision that was handed down by the Supreme Court, part of that was a requirement that uh, a woman, if she's married, would have to just inform her husband that she was going to have an abortion, and that was struck down as unconstitutional. So men have zero hmm. rights when it comes to the life-or-death decision of an unborn baby. Wow. And when uh, a baby is killed... Um, by abortion, that often causes severe uh, emotional ramifications for both the mother and and uh, I'm a founding member of the Men in Abortion Network. There's about 20 or 12 of us that are so-called experts in this field. Uh, we've written, we've lectured, uh, published, and various things. We've also put together a website exclusively for men and those who want to help them it's menandabortion.net, menandabortion.net. And we have a lot of resources there that can help men. Uh, if there are any guys listening to this, uh, I want you to know that you're not alone. Mm. Literally millions of men are suffering also, but we can provide you with a free peer-to-peer counselor anywhere that you live, and uh, you can request that counselor uh, through our meninabortion.net website. But, you know, God wired our brains, David, mm-hmm. to provide and protect for our families. That's the way he made us. Yes. And an abortion, when an abortion occurs, it often damages or obliterates um, things within the male psyche. Mm-hmm. And that's when we see um, symptoms. And the persistent symptom we see is anger. And that is manifested because there is no other way for a man to vent the anguish and remorse and sadness that comes from an abortion. See, they lost a child also, uh, not just some spirit up in, in the atmosphere somewhere. This was a flesh and blood child that was brutally taken. And I often deal with men who were part of the problem, who forced or coerced their girlfriends or wives into having an abortion. And um, the only way back from that, I'm convinced, is a biblically-based counseling process. Mm -hmm. It is too big of an issue for a man to take on by himself. He needs help, and we can provide that at meninabortion.net. Thank you. I didn't know about that website, and our listeners probably didn't either, so we'll put that in today's podcast post at standupforthetruth.com. And we haven't talked about this in a while, but there are many post-abortion symptoms that uh, men and women, particularly the woman goes through, the young girl, if she's uh, gone through it, alcohol or drug use, which is to distract from the pain. Like you said, they go through anger, anxiety. Um, Sometimes they go back into an abusive relationship, maybe to punish themselves, denial, uh, repression, um, their self-worth, self-image is affected, their relationships are affected. They sometimes deal with eating disorders after an abortion, feelings of 
helplessness, flashbacks, grief, guilt, having maybe purposely punishing themselves by being more promiscuous. Uh, some women go through nightmares about babies crying, um, preoccupation with the abortion pr- procedure, thoughts of babies, regret, remorse, and of course, we could go on down the list, but ultimately, suicidal thoughts and even attempts. So there's much anguish and there's much that uh, young women deal with that we never or rarely hear about uh, in in the media or obviously from those who would promote abortion in our society. But um, you also provide information at lifeissues.org about the history, some history of Planned Parenthood and how we've shared a lot about Margaret Sanger and her demonic agenda, but how they strategically target minorities. I think it's 79% 79% of Planned Parenthood clinics are in minority neighborhoods. Is that uh, what you understand to be, Brad? That, that's right. We took census tract data from the government, which is perfect for analyzing something like this, and we drew a two-mile radius around every Planned Parenthood abortion facility. Wow. And then we analyzed the ethnicity of the people within that circle and 79% of them are either black or Hispanic uh, in prominence uh, in those areas. They are deliberately targeting minorities for abortion. Mm. It's very clear. Um, the information is there. There's not much they're saying to defend themselves except trying to say that we are racist because we don't think black women can make that decision for themselves. But the true races are those who are going out and targeting uh, areas where black and Hispanic women live and marketing abortion to them. Mm. And, of course, New York is one of those places where I believe um, there's more abortions than births, at least in New York City. That was a stat a few years ago. And, of course, Andrew Cuomo, the uh, former governor now, uh, thankfully he's he's gone. But you wrote a little bit about uh, outrage or politics, uh, 15,000 New York elderly were, uh, of course, are now dead due to the cover-up trying to protect Governor Andrew Cuomo during the pandemic, and now we're hearing all this. But the only reason that he had to resign wasn't because of the deaths of the elderly, but it was because of the accusations of women who came forward and said he uh, sexually harassed and assaulted them. So um, share a little bit about how uh, you wrote a really brief um, article, and then I think you did a little uh, Life Issues commentary on how Planned Parenthood went to extraordinary lengths to protect Cuomo. Oh, yes, and it just it just shows, David, how extreme this organization is. Um, they even uh, defended partial birth abortion, which is the process in which they kill a baby during delivery. Hmm. The details are too gruesome to share uh, on family Yes. Uh, radio and, and websites and whatnot, but uh, we can get you more details on that if you like. But yes, he he tried to cover up the deaths of 15,000 New York elderly that he mandated they go into facilities where patients were known to be positive for COVID. Mm. And the elderly, of course, are um, at the highest risk of our uh, of our citizens to COVID. And with that, uh, that wasn't bad enough for them to turn on the governor. It took um, accusations of um, 11 women who said they were sexually harassed and assaulted. That didn't take, uh, wasn't even enough um, until things started mounting and enough people started calling for his uh, oust. And finally, then they went to... Um, to uh, publicly said, uh, yes, we're outraged and appalled, they said, about what he did. Well, the evidence was there for many months, and they weren't outraged or appalled then because they were protecting a politician that signed legislation that literally covers abortion up to birth and even beyond. If a baby survives a late-term abortion, and many do, then they are left to die Mm. a, a horrible death. And this is the type of politician that Planned Parenthood supports. Uh, Cuomo, good riddance. He he was a horrible governor. Unfortunately, his replacement is just as passionate and dedicated to abortion on demand as he he is. 
Well, that is one of the platforms uh, or one of the uh, planks of the Democrat Party platform, uh, abortion, uh, and I believe it's on demand and, and at any stage. And sadly, um, uh, that is just, just part of the, the politics that we're, we're seeing played out in the country. And we understand now there's a stark contrast, at least on the issue of life and marriage and other issues, between the Democrats and Republicans, but it's really not a political issue. This is a moral issue. And uh, Brad Mattis, we appreciate the work that you are doing and have done your investment in in life and education on these issues through Life Issues Institute. And just thank you so much for your time today. Uh, God bless you and uh, continue to uh, in- encourage others to uh, get more information on life issues. Thank you, Brad. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. It was a blessing. Um, so we will connect some of these articles on our website, um, uh, standupforthetruth.com, today's podcast post. Um, one of the issues or one of the articles that we didn't get a chance to get to, um, what, what was happening or what is happening at the University of Pittsburgh, you might not believe this. This is uh, just a brand new, not a new revelation, because the Center for Medical Progress has been working on this for years. They've been exposing uh, Planned Parenthood, the uh, marketing of aborted baby body parts, um, harvesting uh, body parts. This has been going on nationwide at universities, uh, Planned Parenthoods, and we know it's been happening, so you cannot deny or the left or those that are in the pro choice quote <laughs> movement they cannot deny that this is happening but uh, now that the debate is over the is this ethical and now the universities are involved so what's going on um it's not exactly breaking news but um this is a brief article it talks about the only way those who traffic in human body parts succeed is if the people remain silent if we remain silent. So um, they don't want their atrocities revealed to the public, right? They don't want people to find out about it. Even though most of us understand it's happening, we've heard there was a Senate report five years ago, a massive Senate report that came out really g- going into gruesome detail on this industry that was very eye-opening on the marketing of aborted baby body parts. So this is well-documented. You can find out a lot of information online if you search, if you know the right uh, websites. By the way, I want to direct you to our 200 resources you can trust at standardforthetruth.com. The upper left-hand corner, there's a link. It just says resources. We've got them in alphabetical order. And there are 200 resources that you can trust. A lot of pro-life uh, information on there as far as, the, and the biblical worldview, prophecy, news, conservative commentary, where you can actually get uh, news and information. So the Center for Medical Progress, do you remember several years ago when they went out, they were actually um, citizen journalists, David Daleiden and others, were recording Representatives from Planned Parenthood, they were at lunch or uh, in the in the actual clinics, and they were some of these admissions that they were making were absolutely astounding. And what happened, if you remember, at the time, uh, Delighton was in California, I believe. Uh, at the time, you know who was Attorney General in California? Kamala Harris. What did she do? She didn't investigate Planned Parenthood, even though you have video evidence and admission of the marketing of aborted baby body parts. She didn't do that. What she did was investigate this David Daleiden and the Center for Mill. They raided his home, his personal home, his private home. And so anyway, then he still got uh, legal battles because of that, because of Kamala Harris and because of their, the left's dedication and commitment to abortion no matter the cost no matter how they go about it and now of course this new revelation of the um, uh, aborted baby body parts the research they call it so back to the university of pittsburgh they submitted a three million dollar grant application to the uh, national institutes for health the nih to fund 
it's the, it's uh, a project now. Now, this is research focused on the kidney and lower urinary tract, but they've got others where they, they find, you know, baby body parts and they ship them off to the highest bidder. And I wish, honest before God, I wish that was an exaggeration. I wish what I just said was science fiction, uh, but it's not. They've actually got a distribution hub, uh, over 18 years of experience with securing aborted baby body parts. Did you hear that? Over 18 years. Um, this is the National Institute of Health researchers. So this, you can find more of, of this article and just, just, they're talking about quotas and they're requesting 50% of mothers and children be minorities and it absolutely is astounding and uh, gruesome, of course. But the article is at lifeissues.org. It's called Atrocities at University of Pittsburgh. And I think, do, will I, yeah, we'll put that in today's podcast post at standupforthetruth.com. A uh, couple minutes left and another story we don't have time to talk about fully, but Ken Ham wrote an article starting off by saying it's utter lunacy. It's a war on women. It's vile, evil, and heartbreaking. What am I referring to, he said? A recent article highlighted a nightmare's worst nightmare for women in women's prisons in states like California. Inmates are able to be housed in the facility that aligns with their, quote, gender identity. I know we've heard a little bit about this, but it's happening in more states. And there are devastating consequences for women, uh, particularly women that have been assaulted by men. And now we've got men saying they are women. Of course, they say they are identifying as women. So the article, basically the headline is, Inmates Receive Contraceptives and Abortifacients After Being Housed with Trans Women. So let me rephrase that, just simplify, clarify that article uh, that Ken Ham calls a war on women. Women who are prison inmates are given a birth control, contraceptives, and abortifacients because men are coming into their prison and being housed in the same place as these women. When I say biological men, trans, quote, women, so... This is the insanity of what we have to deal with on these and other life issues. Uh, more on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. We're going to talk about perpetual conflict. We're also going to talk about that Good Fight Ministries interview next. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. And before we get to uh, talking about that Good Fight Ministries interview about The Chosen, another really disturbing uh, headline at My Christian Daily article. No, of course, this doesn't surprise us, especially the Stand Up For The Truth audience any longer, but Biblical Beliefs nosedive as 60% of Christians under 40 years old Say Jesus is not the only way to salvation. Now, we're not going to get into this because it's just more of the same. But I call them, as Pastor Steve Smotherman and others do, so-called Christians. We have to understand, friends, many of them do not have a biblical worldview because many of them are not even converted. They are not born again. They say they might be. They say they're evangelical or Christian. They say they are, but we would call them professing Christians, most likely don't have an understanding of Scripture, have never really studied the Bible in depth, probably aren't being taught well at whatever church they go to. They probably go to an entertainment center masquerading as a church with it as seeker-sensitive rather than someone who is teaching the whole counsel of God, going verse by verse and addressing all the issues and uh, unashamed of the gospel. So understand a lot of these people and a lot of these polls that say things that are so unbiblical, for example, Jesus is not the only way, they're not even Christian. Um, I don't know their hearts, only God knows their hearts, but I am saying that that's a, a definite possibility that a lot of these people that are answering these polls do not even know the Lord Jesus Christ or never knew him, and they will hear, depart from me, I never knew you one day, words that none of us 
want to wish on anybody. But anyway, so that's I'll put that in the notes also today. Uh, podcast update, uh, best of the year, uh, a couple days ago with Dr. Lee Merritt and last week with Pastor Tim Stevens, the uh, Canadian pastor who was uh, imprisoned twice so far for uh, going against the government and deciding to continue to hold church services. So I don't know what's going on. Our numbers are up in the last couple weeks, and thank you guys. Uh, more people have been tuning in online. More people are listening live right now from different parts of the country. So thank you. Quick update on my book, Canceling Christianity. Uh, it's still, I don't get it, guys. This has to be God. Um, it's still in the Amazon top 10 as far as the Kindle version uh, in a couple different categories, uh, political freedom, uh, censorship, and uh, religious intolerance, I think. It was still in the top 10 or 15. I, that's just astounding to me. Understand this. The, I've got a small publisher that hardly anybody has heard of. I do not have anyone marketing the book. They don't have a marketing plan. They're just sending it out, printing. They're providing it for people. They they have no marketing department at my public. I do not have a publish it, publicist or a PR person. Nobody's doing any of that. It's because of the body of Christ, and I think it was because of the early censorship and the big tech media, the, uh, the uh, Facebook coming against me, not allowing me to. They rejected six ads for canceling Christianity. So I think people don't like that. And the body of Christ has, man, talk about, even in the last couple of weeks, even before I came back to the podcast here when I was out with COVID, um, cases of books were shipped out to New York. A pastor in New York ordered some books. Um, people out in California ordered books. There's a women's group in Texas. They've got a book club. They meet every Friday, I believe, and they're going through Canceling Christianity. Um, if you would have told me before it came out that it would be doing well with no marketing, with really no way, and, and with the censorship, I would have probably laughed <laughs> right in your face. But praise God for that. So now let's talk about Good Fight Ministries. There is an interview that I hope uh, you guys get a chance to listen to. If you go to the YouTube channel, uh, Good Fight Ministries, there's a very important uh, video that they just did, Pastor Joe Schimmel and uh, Chad. Regardless of what you think of the movie or the, the, the series, The Chosen, there are some good things in that, and it's reaching people for Christ. I will acknowledge that. There are also a lot of times where you're watching and they're, they don't quote scripture necessarily and they really take a lot of artistic license getting into the background of the characters and the drama, the, um, the, the relationships between the disciples, which we do not know because we don't have it in scripture. But so they do take artistic license. Uh, whether that's a good or a bad thing, I'll let you decide. But I believe you'll be blessed by this discussion since we don't have time to do it here on Stand Up, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. Good Fight Ministries, it's called The Chosen Creator. Dallas Jenkins says that Mormons are Christians. Is this true? Now, I'll just share with you right off the top. It's one of those issues we do want to talk about, um, and with depending on the guests we have on, but this is something that I heard in the interview that really kind of raised a red flag. Uh, he's done a lot of interviews with the LDS, the Mormon, uh, the Church of Latter-day Saints, LDS. And one of the things he said was, my Mormon brothers and sisters. Now, I don't believe, biblically, we can be brothers and sisters in Christ with someone who does not believe Jesus is God and does not subscribe to the complete biblical worldview, the deity of Jesus Christ, the inerrancy of our scriptures. And so when he says they are our brothers and sisters, I I have a problem with that. Um, there are other things that he said that you can go, well, maybe he meant it this way. Maybe he just wants to reach Mormons. And of course, we want to reach LDS with the gospel. Um, they need to hear the truth. Many of them have not heard arguments for the truth and the evidence of scriptures, the, the, the Christian worldview, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They have only heard what they've been taught. And so there are concerns there. But all that to say, I will put that, uh, we will put that in the podcast 
post at StandUpForTheTruth.com. And you can listen to that interview with Pastor Joe Schimmel, whom I respect greatly on all the work that he's done. Also, let's move on now real quick and talk about this idea of what's going on in our country. This is my my new article this week. It's called Perpetual Conflict. The issue is never the issue. I was blessed to be able to preach this Sunday. It's been a while. Uh, I got up to Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, and I preached at a church there that had me back. Um, it's and, and I got so many comments uh, just thanking me for addressing this topic of what's going on. The fact that we are at war here in America, and part of that is coming from within, that we've been under attack from within our own people, our own churches, our own citizens. Um, and this is a worldview war, which is part of the subtitle of today's podcast. So C.S. Lewis once said, there's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. Now, most Christians are not shocked at the battles now manifesting in the physical realm in our country and around the world. The globalist, socialist, Marxist, godless attacks on not only America, but the the Judeo-Christian worldview, the biblical worldview, and our influence as a church. But the number of fronts can seem daunting. The speed with which things are happening... Enemies of God are using every possible crisis to gain power. And what we're seeing is a purposeful state of perpetual conflict. Um, In case you haven't noticed, the left is good at either um, creating a crisis or extending a crisis, whether that be um, political division, whether that be COVID-19, vaccine issues, mandates, whether that be what's happening now in Afghanistan, I think that's a smokescreen, really. Whether that be the globalists coming against America, um, we are not unaware of the enemy's schemes, friends. And until more believers in Christ and the church recognize and respond to these cultural battles, like we were talking about with Brad Mattis, the issues of life, we, our silence will just allow them to continue to, to murder and kill babies. And the, the enemy, devil, the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy, right? Well, there's also increasing spiritual warfare we're seeing, which I think coincides with the decline of morality and society, which, my opinion, I believe it will continue at warp speed if the church does not engage, if we don't get more pastors to speak on these issues, if we don't get more believers involved. And actually, you know, from that, that uh, survey, uh, if we don't get more people in, in Christian churches saved. Remember what we just shared, that new uh, article, 60% of Christians under 40, all, say, all so-called Christians under 40, say Jesus is not the only way to salvation. Well, we need, we need to get the truth back into the pulpits, and we need to preach the whole counsel of God again, but that's for another podcast. We've covered that quite a bit. Um, but one of the marching orders of the left is never let a crisis go to waste, and they have used many issues, uh, many of which reached a boiling point last year, uh, led by an anti-American left and deep state, as well as the one-party globalist, big-tech Democrat media conglomerate, the, uh, we, we are seeing an antichrist spirit of the age manifest. I will say that again because it is so important to recognize the spiritual dynamic be, be t- about what's happening here. It is demonic what's happening, the forces of darkness. It is an antichrist spirit of the age. And so a lot of this is biblical. A lot of this is prophetic. Our, our country is not only divided, but the sadly friends. And here's where you and I come in, our, our churches. Christians are divided as well on a lot of these issues, and that's what's sad to me. That's what is, it's disheartening uh, to just be honest with you. But um, think about this. Let's, let's go back to just one thing that I, I've written about in the past, and the Biden-Harris campaign, while they were campaigning for the presidency last year, they used this slogan, the same slogan that I believe have, has, comes from communist ideas, 
the World Economic Forum uses the same slogan. What is that? Build back better. What do they want to do with America? Build back better. Build what back? Because the Biden administration is destroying the economy. There's Biden inflation. The inflation again, gas prices going up, um, a lot of materials and cost of goods going up. They want to, what do they want to build back better? So th- this is a communist policy and this is the World Economic Forum uses that to, some say it's a dog whistle for the Green New Deal. Others say it's going to promote the Great Reset. Let me just share a quote with you and all I have time for. Uh, bottom line, Jesus said, whoever is not with him is against him. I want to share a quote from Alex Newman. He wrote in the forum, using this Build Back Better, same thing the Biden-Harris administration are using. Build. Listen to those words now. Next time you hear those words, Build Back Better, or you see the slogan in the background, understand what's behind it. Alex Newman said, Over the last century, well over 100 million people were slaughtered by their own communist and socialist overlords as those regimes fiendishly sought to centralize control over all property and resources in the hands of the elites. In the Western world, some of the most powerful individuals over the last century have been working toward that goal on a global scale, too. That's the end of the quote by Alex Newman. But this, of course, friends, could lead to a declaration of war on America in our constitutional republic. But we, we realize, Christians realize who know Bible prophecy and un- understand the times, we realize we're in the midst of a worldview war, and it's time to pledge allegiance. You are either on the side of Jesus Christ in the biblical worldview, or you have rejected God and his truth. So you're either saved or not saved. You're either forgiven or not forgiven. And let's get back to just the basics of who a person is spiritually, either a child of God or a child of the devil. Jesus even said, he even called the religious leaders, he said, you are of your father, the devil. So there is a spiritual dynamic that we're seeing played out that we have to recognize. Uh, we'll maybe continue talk a little bit more about this article um, tomorrow. But there are some good points about Christianity and Marxism and how they cannot coexist. So uh, when we come back, we'll let you know who our guest is tomorrow. And uh, we'll uh, tease a program coming up on Stand Up for the Truth coming up next. Stand Up for the Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. And tomorrow we've got one of the co-founders of EBLM. What does that stand for? Every Black Life Matters. We had Kevin McGarry on last month, and now we're talking. To, we'll be talking to Neil Mammon tomorrow on his work trying to raise awareness on the important fact that every black life matters, meaning a black baby in the womb, meaning an elderly person, meaning a black business owner. So it's not just certain black lives, and uh, we'll talk with Neil tomorrow. Um, Looking ahead next week, actually, I was going to tease a couple shows. I'm going to let you go to the calendar, uh, standupforthetruth.com. Upper left, you'll see Upcoming And you can click on the calendar and see who our guests are coming up. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.